Your Steve Jones Show podcast is loading now. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Sunbury Motors, North 4th Street in Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Sports talk where your voice counts. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motors Studio, here's Steve Jones. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Key Routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. I guess before we get to the play-by-play call of the day, I guess we had a slight issue with a um, a diva among our talent coming up here in the next few minutes. Hmm. I mean, Pat O'Brien, I know, is on board. Steve Williams is on board. Greg Wetzel's on board. Good guys that are out there promoting the games for the good of the cause. But I guess we had a problem with the WKOK play-by-play guy? Uh, He was just concerned that uh, he may not be back in time because of a very important power meeting. Really? Yeah. I'm here. I'm ready to go. Yes, you are. I just like making an entrance. (laughs) Hence the Diva reference. <laughs> Did I make play-by-play call of the day this week yet? No, no. Oh, man. That's my goal right why? there. That would be why? my career right why? there. The, <laughs> why, there's another 32-yard field goal we need to get a training on? <laughs> <laughs> that was a great moment, though. That was a great moment. <laughs> For the freshmen, yes. We've Absolutely. Already, we've already made duly noted. We've already mentioned that on uh, the show. Yeah. Okay. Won the game? Actually, it did win the game. It was in the second quarter? Yes. It won the game in the second quarter. <laughs> You're not buying yes, it, mo- Yes, most radio stations use a dramatic 80-yard run. Not us. We use a 32-yard field goal. Listen, you, you it's been a while since you watched a high school football game. A 32-yard field goal is a field goal in high school. You don't see many of those. Hey, Greg. Greg, what's the best play you saw last week? <laughs> it wasn't a field goal, I can oh, tell you that. On. There you go. Right on, Greg. Oh, I just got thrown under the bus. <laughs> in fact, not only that, we did a brilliant job of putting it in reverse and backing <laughs> yeah, over you. You backed it right up. Yep. <laughs> Time now for our... Play-by-play call of the day. The Astros have won seven in a row. A big reason why is Cameron Babin. The pitch to him. Fastball cracked in the air toward the right field corner. That's deep. It's going fair. And that's a two-run homer for Cameron Mabin. He does it again. Cameron Mabin goes deep. And the Astros take the lead 5-3 to three here in the ninth inning. And another big win for them as they beat Seattle 5-3 at Safeco last night on KBME in Houston. All right, let's get to our high school football roundtable. Always a pleasure to be joined by Pat O'Brien. Sealands Grove at home to take on Shemokin. Pat, you want to see from game one to game two improvement? This will be a standard question I ask everyone. Did you see that in Sealands Grove? Uh, absolutely, and actually it's going to be a question I will pose to Coach Derek Hicks as well. And the big improvement was uh, the cut down on passing yards. They gave up 312 to Milton, and um, against Montoursville, they cut that into a third. So 
a very well done in terms of cutting down the passing game. Um, the penalties, 14 penalties against Milton, just six against uh, Montoursville. So uh, another great improvement that way and something they emphasized during the week. And then the third improvement was the field goal, extra points. Um, they uh, struggled, missed two last week after only missing five all of last year. But uh, they ran off seven in a row um, to end that game for the Seals Grove kicking team. And it's combined between uh, close and also rule. So those three areas were big emphasis and the improvements were seen. All right, so now moving forward, though, what would they like to do moving forward? When, you get, when you've talked to the coaching staff after the game, moving forward, what else do they want to iron out to, again, make themselves a better team? Um, I think the big part would be the defensive backs, um, the, just to solidify their role. They did have two picks a week ago, but uh, you have a new safety plan and um, also a young corner who did play last year, but he's still coming into his own. So I would say in the defensive backfield, just to um, kind of solidify things back there, they're going to be pressed a little more as the season goes along. Uh, the other thing is, and, it, and it's uh, tough to manage as a coach, but the starters haven't played into the second half. So conditioning is going to be something that the coaches are trying to do during the week uh, to make sure they're prepared for when they do have to go into the second half. And I'm uh, going to talk to Coach Hicks about that. How is he going to manage it uh, this week against Shemokin? Should it get into a similar situation in a mercy rule going into the second half? Uh, because next week they have Shikalimi, Berwick, and then Jersey Shore the next three weeks. So that's a big emphasis as well. Which then brings me to the next question, Pat, and game experience is invaluable. What has it done for the Sealands Grove program that in the first two games of the season they've been able to go deep into the bench and give guys game experience? Uh, and, again, talking to Coach Chicks about that, even after the Milton game, uh, you know from a broadcasting standpoint, it's nice to see a lot of faces and a lot of people get familiar with early on in their career, and you get to know them and, and you know how they play the game. But uh, he's, I think, is starting to see some kids that could push for some varsity time when it means something. And, you know, may have not felt that way until it was uh, in, you know, in the Friday night lights, uh, so to speak. So he's gotten to see that in this you know, young kids, freshman quarterback has gotten some good time. Um, the running back, Hollenbach, has shown ability to wiggle and, and make some yardage. Had a touchdown last week. And um, even just from some linebackers, some backup guys, Makai Showers, who started, but then uh, did not start, but he got a lot of playing time and took uh, great advantage of that. So unbelievable opportunity for young kids to show the coaches that maybe the lights aren't too bright for them on a Friday night. Pat, great work as always along with Ryan Brandt, 7 o'clock as Seelands Grove host Shemokin on Eagle 107. You'll be on at 6. Thanks a lot for your time, Pat. Thank you, Steve. Talk to you next week. Yep, looking forward to it very much. All right, Milton will be at Lewisburg. I think we had Steve Williams, but did we lose him there for a second? Attempting to get with Steve, but we got Greg here ready to go. Yeah, since Greg Wetzel is in the studio and ready to go, we'll start. We'll go with him. Greg, uh, same question I asked Pat to open up with. Uh, you watch Lewisburg. All right, you know things may not go as well as you want, but did you see some improvement from game one to game two? And if so, where? 
not a lot of improvement from game one to game two. Um, probably what we saw best was they did not quit. When they f- fell behind by that score, they didn't quit. They came out in the second half. They played hard. They actually controlled the line of scrimmage for much of the third quarter and into the fourth quarter. So the coach was encouraged by that. Head coach Mark Persing was encouraged by that. Um, and they stuck with their game plan. You know, the, the good thing, no one got hurt. They, they, they came out healthy from the game, and they're, they're looking forward to playing Milton this week. All right. So now in the areas, when you look at it specifically, you know, A, are you seeing things that are correctable? Mm-hmm. And B, what are those areas? Yes, we, we are seeing things that are correctable. And, you know, I think one of the issues that Lewisburg has right now, it's a first-year head coach. He's getting to know his players just like the players are getting to know him. So every week you're seeing some changes offensively, defensively with personnel, moving uh, maybe maybe a, an offensive guard to the center position or this uh, center to an offensive tackle. He's getting to know his, his personnel. So I think that's that's an issue that's that's happening in Lewisburg right now also. All right, now you get into a game like this. How important will the first quarter of this game be to set a tone? I think that's going to be very important. These kids have to come out and establish the line of scrimmage like they did in the first week against Hughesville. And if they can do that, I think they're, they're going to feel like they have a, a great chance to win this ball game. What do you think it's going to do for them confidence-wise? How important is that first quarter confidence-wise? Oh, it, it's it's everything to them. Um, last week, that they played well defensively for about two, three plays that they were right in there and stopped, and then they break a 65-yard run for a touchdown. That didn't happen the first week. They they controlled the line of scrimmage, and that's what they need to get back to doing. And confidence-wise, that's what they know they can do that. They have some guys, some personnel that can do that, and that's what they'll be looking to do. And I think they just feed off of that right now. Greg, always a pleasure. Thanks for coming in. We appreciate it. Thank you. All right, now to the other side of this. Lewisburg's the home team. The visiting team will be Milton, and Steve Williams joins us. He'll call the game on WMLP. Lewisburg broadcast will be on 100.9 The Valley. Steve, welcome. Great to have you with us. Hey, thanks, Steve. Good to have you. And I just wanted to say, I know earlier in the week when you said you're going to have to separate Wetzel and I, you know, he's an old guy. He's a nice guy, so I'm not gonna I'm not gonna get on him too bad. So, wow, <laughs> yeah, Greg, Greg, you still there? I'm still here. Yep. Uh, I, mean, I just I just, I just would like to point out uh, those are fighting words. No, well, <laughs> I, I think we're okay. I think we'll be okay. Yeah, I yeah, think we'll, you'll we'll be, be okay right. too. <laughs> I, yeah, he's I think you'll be okay too. <laughs> <laughs> I'll ask Steve the same question you that have asked our first two. You want to see a game one to game two improvement because now you have some practical application to work with did milton get better in game two yes and no (laughs) yes uh they found a running game uh they were able to make some yardage on the ground against warrior run uh no in that they uh, i guess they realized that that was supposed to be the first game because they had a lot of first game type errors a lot of just dumb penalties offsides lining up offsides on defense uh, and the bad thing that they really found is two turnovers, which cost them a total of 14 points. And you know, in high school, there's two things that uh, you can't you can't cover the slot man, and you can't give up 14 points on turnovers and expect to win. Right. No, I, I understand that. And the the other part, though, you talk about getting improvement. I, I asked Greg this: a good first quarter. 
with this program trying to get its footing at this point, what would a good first quarter mean for the confidence of this team? Uh, a lot. They did have a very good first quarter uh, last week before they uh, started to commit the turnovers. They were in the game. And then the second half of the game was uh, it was a different animal. It was uh, ball control on the part of Warrior Run. But, yeah, you know, you can see these kids starting to believe in themselves. The passing game is going well. Um, you know, Phil Davis is throwing the ball well. He's making smart decisions. And, uh, you know, Coach Phil Davis has designed the offense around him where they're, you know, they're trying to get the ball uh, out of the backfield quickly, uh, you know, out of his hands. They, they don't want him hit because of, of the injuries that he suffered earlier. So uh, they're doing a good job of that. They also play the game with a, with a pace. I think that's fair to say, right, Steve? Uh, yeah, they do. It, uh, they keep moving. And when you do that, though, there is a part of this. It puts a little bit more pressure on your defense if you don't put together a 12-play drive with pace. So what are you seeing defensively that's a plus, and where are they still struggling a bit there? Well, they're still struggling in the defensive secondary. They've got some good athletes there, but they're not in sync. Uh, there's two in one area and none in the other area. You know, just things like that where they're not uh, communicating back uh Back there, where the you know where the long passes are going, and, and both weeks some of the long passes have have really hurt them. Uh, they've got the athletes to do that. Uh, it's just a learning process for them because it's the first that all those guys have played together in those positions. Steve, always a pleasure. It's on WMLP with the Milton broadcast, Lewisburg broadcast on one hundred point nine The Valley. Appreciate your time as always, my friend. Thanks, Steve. Shikolemi is going to take on Central Mountain. Unfortunately, we're out of time. It'll be at 7 o'clock, a 6.30. It'll be a good game. How's that? Do we have time for that? I can't believe you put his mic up, Sean. What kind of what kind of producer are you? Sorry. I mean, he's the one that tried to, quote, blow off the segment earlier. Yeah, Greg drives in. Steve makes himself available, Pat. And then we get, I don't know if I can. Don't know. I mean, but I'm I'm here. I'm ready to go. I'm excited. I, I like I said. I wanted to make an entrance. Did it work? Yes and no. <laughs> I thought in the Holyfield Tyson fight. I thought Fan Man made an entrance. <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> yeah, I can't beat that entrance. Uh, game one to same Kevin. Same question for you as everybody else. So it's game one to game two. It's a standard question, but uh, I know Shikalimi. You know Mount Carmel was was a tougher opponent. Game two and so forth. But actually, was there some improvement? In this case, I, I don't really think that you'll ask Todd Tilford and he'll say, not really. I don't think that we, he'll say we made the improvements we needed to make to control the running game that Mount Carmel showed. And Mount Carmel overloads the right side with a double wing that they line up behind the guard tackle. So they'll run, two, they'll run actually four blockers on that right side and sometimes have a tight end over there. And it's just, you have to throw everything you have at that right side of the line to stop them. And, and Chickamy just couldn't get there quick enough with uh, with the backs that uh, that Mount Carmel had. So I think he'll say from a from a defensive standpoint, we did not improve at controlling the run as well as we did maybe the week before. 
So then that's the next part. Would Todd Tilford say that whatever issue they have at the moment, are they correctable issues, or is it something that he's worried that would set in long term? I think what we saw Friday night was more or less uh, not being able to make the adjustments quick enough to the Mount Carmel offensive game plan and kind of getting worn out by the time the second half rolled around. I mean, this was a really close game. Shikolami had the lead uh, midway through the third quarter, 14-10, and then Mount Carmel just wore him out and scored the next three touchdowns to win the game, and it made the score look a little bit different. But I think the big thing was the fact that Mount Carmel's offense just was on the field so much in the first half, it just wore everybody down defensively. All right, so give me an idea with Central Mountain. What are going to be a couple of keys to this game that will be heard on WKOK tomorrow night? Well, they're definitely going to have to do a little bit better job against the run. Uh, Right now, Central Mountain has been struggling running the ball, averaging about three and a half yards a carry. Uh, Most of those by the quarterback, Austin Carson. I mean, he's the leading ball carrier right now, averaging five yards a carry with two touchdowns on the ground. He's also about a 50% passer at 19 for 40 on the year, has 205 yards offense. So when you look at Central Mountain's offensive performance, they're looking at 431 right now for the year, and about 320 of it comes from their quarterback position. So that's the guy they have to focus on in this particular game. And if Shikolami can keep him contained, and this is going to be a big, big test for the outside linebackers and defensive ends, is keeping Carson between the tackles, they'll have a really good shot at this. On the defensive side of the ball, Central Mountain has made quite a few changes. Matter of fact, they've made quite a few changes on the offensive line, both defensive and offensive line, I should say. Uh, Trying to get some more open holes for the running game, but they've also struggled with the defensive side of the ball, trying to stop the run. Uh, 3-5 is what their scheme was early in the season. Three down linemen, five linebackers, and it just didn't seem to work against the run. So now they've gone back to a more conventional 4-4 this week and put two big 300-pounders up front to try and stop Shikolami's inside run, and we'll see if they're able to do that. But coming into this game, Central Mountain is giving up about about seven yards of play, so they had to do something and change it up a little bit. That will be 7 o'clock coming up tomorrow night. 6.30 will be the airtime with Kevin and, of course, the Coach Dick Hort. Looking forward to it. Kev, thanks. Thank you. All right. We'll come back with more in a moment on News Radio 1070 WKOK, brought to you by Sunbury Motors. When it comes to car buying, there's the other guy's way, and then there's the SMC way. The other guys force you into a vehicle you really don't want. The Subway Motors way lets you take the time you need to browse, ask questions, and take the test drive and think on it. For over 100 years, the Merth family and all their employees have made your experience the most pleasant one you'll ever have. The other guys won't offer you the best price for your trade, no matter how much they say they will. The SMC way is their promise to provide you with the most money the market shows your vehicle's worth. The SMC way is to offer you all applicable factory rebates on new vehicles and generous discounts. Looking for a pre-owned vehicle? The SMC Way checks each vehicle in a 200-mile radius to determine the lowest price, then beat it. It's the lowest price promise, just part of the SMC Way. The choice is up to you. The other guy's way or the SMC Way. The SMC Way wins every time. Sunbury Motors Company in the North 4th Street Auto Plaza, Sunbury, and at sunburymotors.com. Selling more cars and satisfying more customers for over 100 years. Our high school previews again. 
It'll be Shemokin at Sealands Grove tomorrow night at 7 o'clock, and that'll be a 6 o'clock airtime at Eagle 107. Milton is at Lewisburg on WMLP, 7 o'clock kickoff, 6.30 the airtime at 100.9 the Valley, the Lewisburg broadcast, 7 o'clock the kickoff, 6.30 the airtime. And also Central Mountain at Shikolami tomorrow night. At 7 o'clock here on News Radio 1070 WKOK, and that will be a 6.30 airtime. Jerry DiPolo coming up in the next half hour from the Pittsburgh Tribune. We'll talk to him about uh, Pitt, get his read on them. Um, the um, you know, I, I, you know, I talked in the opening segment about you know preparing for a game, so I used my own personal experience as to how I prepare for games. And... Uh, the number of people that have come up to me this week and say, oh, "How excited are you for this week's game?" Uh, it's Thursday. Um, you know, you go and you've got things you try to take care of in the course of the week to get to the point where you're finally there on Saturday, and then all of a sudden everything that you want to do kicks in because of all the work you've done during the course of the week. So, um, it's not. I guess it's not quite what people think it is, at least with me, that you know you work hard to get to a certain point, and then the game arrives, and then everything you've worked, now you're able to put at least some of what you've done, not all, you can't use all of it, but 2 3%, whatever, into some sort of practical application, and then you try to do the best job you can with it. And I prepare the same way every week. Well, that's the same thing with what James does with his football team. They prepare the same way every week. Now, will they put in a wrinkle here and there and so forth because they think it would be important to the game plan and somebody hasn't seen before? Of course they do. But that's all part of the preparation. And they and as I said, they have built an emotion into their practice and pace anyway. I think that was one of the big... One of the bigger misnomers about last year's game that one team got and the other team didn't. Just because they had different outward approaches to it. I kept hearing that all week and I kept shaking my head saying, well, that's not really what's happening here. I probably didn't do a good job expressing myself about it last year. Well, we'll hear about Pitt. What they've done to this point and also what they did in the opener with Youngstown State. Well, the writer from the Pittsburgh Tribune, as we continue on News Radio 1070 WKOK, brought to you by Sunbury Motors. Taking your calls at 800 795 9565. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motors Studio, here's Steve Jones. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Key Routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Bill Kant's on the show tomorrow. The 1982 National Championship team on its 35th anniversary will be honored on Saturday. We'll also be unveiling 2016 on the facade on the sweet side on Saturday as well. Bill Kant's on the show tomorrow about the book he just put out on the 1982 National Championship team. Looking forward to it very much. All right, let's get a viewpoint on Pitt. Jerry DiPaolo happens to be one of the writers who covers Pitt for the Pittsburgh Tribune. Jerry, welcome. It's a real pleasure to have you on. My pleasure. Looking forward to Saturday. Yeah, very much so. Uh, sometimes you really can't tell a lot out of an opening game because, you know, there's no scrimmages. No, you know, not like the NFL. They have four preseason games. High school teams have scrimmages. I mean, what did you think of Pitt out of the gate against Youngstown? 
Well, I wasn't wasn't all that impressed, and you know, with, with so so much inexperience on both sides of the ball, I, I haven't been impressed, you know, by anything Pitt's done, you know, this summer. Although we don't get to watch watch practice hardly at all, it's hard to tell. But uh, it seems to me that what happened on Saturday against Youngstown State is number one, uh, I think they they held back a little bit of their offense and maybe some packages on defense. Uh, just so they wouldn't show, uh, you know, future opponents, including Penn State, what they have to offer. And, and number two, I, I think they got complacent. They went up 21 nothing on Youngstown State. Right. And it was, you know, it was late in the third quarter, by, as a matter of fact, before Youngstown State even scored. And, you know, they, I think they th- thought they had an easy win, and some of those young kids just let up a little bit. And uh, what happened was they, you know, were lucky to win. Uh, you know, they can, of course, they can't do that against Penn State. Uh, Pat Narduzzi even said today they have to be focused for 60 minutes or more. And that's, that's hoping the game goes into overtime. If the game goes into overtime, I think Pitt would have played a really good game. I don't think that's going to happen this week. I think uh, Penn State should roll by three touchdowns or more. And, and you know, just because of the, the difference. The number 16 is, uh, struck, uh, stuck out to me this morning when I was doing some research. Pitt had 16 guys on his team that were either first-year starters or first-year freshmen in the Youngstown State game. And Penn State has 16 returning starters from a Big Ten champion. I think that's the difference in the two teams right there. Let me ask you about Max Brown. I saw a little bit of tape of Max Brown at USC when I was getting ready for the Rose Bowl because I just wanted to do a little contrast between Brown and Sam Darnold to see if there was a real difference in the offense in my preparation. What do you think of Max Brown? Well, you know, he's a very confident kid. He, he he comes across that way in the interviews, in, in the several interviews we've done with him. You know, you know, since he even arrived on campus back in January, uh, he seems to know the game. Uh, he, he seems sure of himself. Uh, he's smart. He graduated from USC, of course, before he came to Pitt. And he's one of those graduate transfers with one year of eligibility left. And from what I understand, and talking to some of the other, some of the wide receivers like Quadri Henderson, the guy has a cannon for an arm. And maybe even a stronger arm than what Pitt had last year, Nathan Peterman, right. uh, who's now pretty close to starting for the Buffalo Bills. Uh, but I, I think that the, the Max is just getting in sync with his wide receivers. For instance, Jester Weah, who was, his, was a big target last year, averaged 24 yards per reception, didn't have a catch in the Youngstown State game until he scored the touchdown in overtime, which is pretty amazing when you think about it. Uh, so I think he needs to get in sync, and I think he's not going to get in sync with these receivers fully until later in the year. This game is just coming up too soon for Pitt, I think. Henderson is just a just a real game difference maker. When you watch him as a wideout on the jet sweep action in the return game, what are some things that stick out about him? Well, he's elusive. Uh, he, you know, he, he he makes the first guy miss, and he'll make the second guy miss, and he'll outrun the third guy. Uh, he has great speed once he gets out in the open. He's hard to catch. Uh, he's one of those cheater bugs. Looks like one of those uh, third-down uh, receivers you see in the NFL. Got a Darren Sproles type kid. He's not very big. He's only five foot nine, um, but he has a lot of heart and he plays hard. Uh, Pitt is trying to get him more involved in the passing game. He only had 26 catches last year. I think they need to see more from him this year. Uh, in fact, they do need to see more from him this year if the offense is going to be a complete offense, which right now it is not. Uh, Allison, when uh, James Conner was out, was a guy that stepped in and was the ACC Rookie of the Year in 20, 2015. Uh, backs, the really good ones, will mature and do things a little bit better as time goes along. Where has he matured and where is he getting better? Well, he seems to be getting better in, in, in what running backs coach Andre Powell uh, demands from his guys and making the guy that they can't block miss. 
you know, and, and run and every run play. There's all, always defenders that you just can't get to. You just can't block out of the way. Right. And all of a is getting being good is getting good at making that guy, you know, who's coming up on block, making that guy miss either running him over or or running past him, ju- juking him a little bit. And that's some of the things he didn't do, uh, you know, two years ago when he went for 1,100 yards. And, and like you said, with ACC Rookie of the Year. Uh, he's the number one running back for Pitt right now, and they're using they used three in the game against Youngstown, yeah. including the freshman AJ Davis, uh, who scored a uh, scored a touchdown in that game. And I, and I was at the facility on signing day when AJ Davis was on ESPN making this choice of, of teams who he was going to sign for with. And when he grabbed that pit hat and put it on, there was a lot of cheering and back slapping going on <laughs> in, in, among the pit coaches because they really like this kid and they think he can really help them. And he played, like I said, only four carries on, on Saturday. Uh, but he played, and I'm sure he'll play a little bit more uh, against Penn State. Look, I know Pat did a great job at Michigan State. And, I mean, let's be honest, but there's a better, there was a better caliber of player at Michigan State on the defense compared to the defenses he's had in the early going here at Pitt. But how tough has it been for him as a defensive coach to see some of the games where where his defense has played and not played well, including the opener? Yeah, I, I think in, in, in when he goes home at night and he thinks about things by himself, I think he understands that his defensive talent is not up to the par that he had in most years at, at Michigan State. He likes to put his cornerbacks out on an island, one on one. No doubt, because he really wants he really wants to defend against a run. And, and if you you know put safeties, you know uh, going double team and wide receivers or whatever in the secondary, those safeties can't defend against a run game, and then the run game ends up biting you in the butt. And, and I think that's been tough for Pat because he hasn't been able yet to recruit the kind of corners he wants. And he has young, a lot of young corners on this team. One of them, a freshman, Damari Mathis, actually, from Florida, played a little bit in the in the opener against Youngstown State. But uh, Avante Maddox is senior. He's a little guy, played with a lot of heart. Um, and he's actually playing much better, you know, according to what we've been hearing, you know, from what's going on in practice, and playing much better than he has in any of his previous three years at Pitt. He's a four-year starter, and uh, he's the kind of guy that, you know, isn't afraid to go up against the best receivers in, in the league, in, in the nation. In fact, he's really looking forward to next week when they play uh, young Oklahoma State and uh, James Washington. James Washington torched uh, Maddox and the yeah. defenders last year out there in Stillwater, and he's looking forward to getting them back at Heinz Field next week. But in the meantime, you got to you know put up with with Penn State and Trace McSorley, and uh, I, I think Avante will, will will play well, and there's inexperience in the other places and in that secondary that, that probably should bothers Pat Narduzzi. Uh, we know what the schedule situation is like. I mean, Penn State, you know, the ACC is a little more flexibility because they have eight conference games. The Big Ten is nine, uh, and. What do you, in your opinion, idealistically, what do you think the future of the series is? Realistically, what is the future of the series? Well, ideally, obviously, is to play every year. You know, I, I remember growing up as a kid, right around Thanksgiving, it was the Pitt Penn State game, and you everything stopped so you could watch that game, and that, that was true in lots of households in Western Pennsylvania, Central Pennsylvania, Eastern Pennsylvania, and all over the East Coast, and all over the nation. Uh, a, lot, a lot of those years, both teams were ranked. Um, uh, so I, I really think they should play every year. It was up to me they would. It was up to most people in the media they would. I think if it was up to Pitt, 
uh, they would. But I, I think Penn State, like you said, has to play nine uh, conference games, I mean, three non-conference games, and they really can't afford you know, to play Pitt every year under those circumstances. Uh, it, it's a shame. And maybe somebody just—I've had people come up to me and say, "Well, maybe the, the state legislature, Pennsylvania state legislature, should step in and make a, 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 a law that says Pitt, Penn State must play every year, no matter what." Well, I asked somebody at Pitt about that one day, and uh, a person just sort of laughed about it. So that's not going to happen. Uh, I, I don't think it's going to like like um, the athletic director Sandy Barber has said. She doesn't, she doesn't think it's going to be reenacted until 2026 after the last game was played in 2019. So, yeah, I think that uh, maybe in 2026, her and Heather like the Pitt AD will get together and they'll decide to play uh, some more games in the series in 2026. But as for, as of now, I don't see it play, I don't see them playing again until then after the next three games. Yeah, because, I mean, I look at uh, Pitt's schedule, for example, they still, after this, have two non-conference games. One's Royce, but the other one's Oklahoma State. So, I mean, you're talking right. about Pitt. Pitt has one of the toughest non-conference schedules in the country. I mean, bar, bar oh, none. Sure. But they can do the extra home in a way because they have only eight conference games. They got four non-conference games. Penn State has only three. And, you know, you, you want to play Penn State wants to play uh, who's some of, the team, some of the teams coming up on Penn State's uh, Auburn, Virginia Tech are, are, yeah. are the, the next uh, teams up after, uh, after Pitt. You want to play Auburn and Pitt in the same year? Well, maybe you do. But not like last year, you know, Penn State had nothing to gain almost you know, by beating Pitt, and, and then they lost to Pitt, and they had a lot to lose. Uh, although, you know, this recruiting situation to me, uh, you know, is, is kind of a farce because Penn State lost the game to Pitt last year, but still they got the number one recruit out of Western Pennsylvania, Lamont Wade, uh, the, the kid from Clareton who's, who signed with Penn State. So they lost the game, but they won the recruit. So you might, you know, you may lose some recruits. But I think the, the, the recruiting is uh, the kids decide to go to a go to a school based on the program as a whole, not by one game. Right, I agree with you completely, Jerry. Thanks so much. Appreciate. It. I look forward to seeing you here on Saturday. Have a safe trip, Jerry DePaulo, joining us from the Pittsburgh Tribune. We'll come back, wrap it up in a moment. Today's show is brought to you by Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Key Routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Penn State football is on News Radio 1070 WKOK. The Penn State Nittany Lions are Big Ten champions. Penn State football is sponsored by First National Insurance, Sealers Grove Ford, Click Associates, Murray Motors Chevrolet, Mifflinburg Auto Sales, Purdy Insurance Agency, Sunbury Motor Company, and WNL Subaru. The Nittany Lions are back in Beaver Stadium to take on Pitt Saturday. Kickoff is set for 3.30. We're on beginning at 2 o'clock on News Radio 1070 WKOK. The um, I was listening to the various promos. Steve Williams calling an exciting touchdown run. Greg Wetzel, great interception that turned a game around. Another big touchdown pass in the Seals Grow game. And uh, then I was listening to the Shikolami uh, promo, and the suit had an extra point on. I'm a little concerned, aren't you? <laughs> Needing me to take over the promos here? You might have to. Ooh, okay. I mean, I mean, I mean, do you want to get into one? Hey, join us for Shikolami Braves football. And the kick is up, and the extra point is good. That's right. Catch all the action. 7 o'clock, 6.30 the airtime on News Radio 1070 WKOK. 
Aren't you concerned that that's a route we're going? Uh, they'll have some sparkling plays at the field tomorrow night. It'll yeah, happen. but the, but he chooses the, the highlights. Has <laughs> <laughs> nothing to do with, with okay. It has to do with the selection here. <laughs> I mean, I can help stir the pot and say, "Hey, use this cut." <laughs> I would go that route. No, we got, we're almost there now. And he takes a knee. Okay. <laughs> what a great win. <laughs> I don't know about you. I'm getting a little concerned. <laughs> Only week two. Actually, week three. I, week three. I, just, I know. I just want to let you know how much I miss for Laza. All right. So. <laughs> Oh. Yeah, I'm waiting for his halftime segment with Doug and Kevin. <laughs> Over oh, on Eagle yeah. 107, yes. That's right, Off yeah. A, yeah. A couple months now at uh, Bucknell in public relations, doing an awesome job. Yeah, you know, it's a great spot to be in, to be honest with you. And they do a great job. I'll tell you, Doug Birdsong, who does a great job on the air, Doug fills so many roles and promotes so many sports and does play-by-play of so many sports. Remarkable what he does. Remarkable. You know, I'll talk to Doug. Goes well. I've got volleyball, and then I've got field hockey. I'm like I got to give him all the credit in the world. Oh, I inadvertently during the Bucknell football bye week last year. Hey, have a great weekend. You'll finally uh, you know come up for air for a day or two. And I think he had like a water polo match to call. Right. <laughs> and they had that on the campus station. And that's what he does. Sure and does. He, I mean, you want to talk about an all-in big-time effort guy who's just a you know first of all a great guy, but a really a true pros pro Doug Birdsong. He does a heck of a job for Bucknell. Heck of a job. You're not going to get a guy like that with that kind of dedication that has that kind of talent. I mean, and Bucknell's got it in that guy. Does a great job. And he and Kevin make a great pair on Saturdays in terms of uh, doing the, the broadcast on Eagle 107. Also got the pros tonight. The Chiefs play the New England Patriots tonight uh, in Foxborough. And, yes, the commissioner will be making his first Foxborough appearance in... Well, I don't know, two, three years? Yeah, but I'm going to be like you, though. I mean, when it comes to watching pro football on Sunday, I'm going to wait till like a minute before kick and turn it on. I'm not yeah, interested yeah. in all the pomp and circumstance tonight, but that's a Steeler fan and don't want to see anything about. Last thing I want to do is see a Patriots banner get you know unveiled. That's, you know. Uh, yeah, yeah, well, I'll, I have a Spikes game tonight. It's the last game of the season tonight. So I won't pick it up and probably until halftime when I get home. So I won't see any of that. You know, but I, I, to be honest with you, I turn it on. on let's take Sunday when the games start. I don't need all. You know, so some people enjoy the pregame talk and back and forth, and that that's perfectly fine. That's not my bag. I I don't enjoy it, but I enjoy the games a lot. I don't need the the pregame back and forth. I don't need kneeling. I don't need any of that. Start just start the game. Well, that and, and I got to carve out time tonight. I still haven't done my, I still haven't made my picks yet for our picks segment for tomorrow. So I got to take care of that after dinner and uh, fig- you know just finish up some you new know, game notes for bullet points for game night for high school football tomorrow night for our show over on Eagle One Hundred Seven. So get all that done before we're even turn on the TV. Yeah, the pick'em segment. Uh, I ad lib that. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but Kevin uh, comes up with some great stuff. Oh, uh, uh, no, he uh, he actually researches everything. He does. That he could does. explain why one guy's winning and the other guy's losing. Uh, uh, it's, uh, Four and one. Now, if you want, I mean, what did I go? Two and three, three you, and two? You were two and three. And uh, Kevo and I, we were four and one. 
They got picked Colorado State, which was bad. That was it. Yeah. Uh, they also had three touchdowns called back on pass interferences. Um, I call. I picked Florida State, which was brilliant. That that that. I mean, I mean, you can go by landfills that smell better <laughs> than that pick. <laughs> and then uh, I know I picked Virginia Tech. Yes. What was the other one I missed on? Uh, Texas. Well, we all had to miss on that one, didn't we? I picked Maryland. Oh, you picked Maryland. I did. Oh. And all you three of us, it. and all three of us, then picked Michigan over Florida. Yeah, that was the fifth one. Gee, I wonder why. Yeah. Wonder why. Hmm. Well, it, you've got Oklahoma and Ohio State. You've got Clemson and Auburn. Those are the marquee games of the weekend that will capture some of the imagination. Of course, Penn State and Pitt will have it is more of a regional game, but look, it's an important game for Penn State. You know, I mean, it's the second game. You just got to keep going with this thing. Each week brings with it something to it. And I know, you know, people can talk about the rivalry and all you want, but there's a, the big picture of this is you need to win this game and then get to the next one. I mean, I know that sounds simple and surgical, but Penn State's playing for big stakes here, and you can't play for big stakes if you stumble. You can't. So that's why you've got to take care of it. It doesn't matter who's over there. I know to the fans it's going to matter a lot who's over there. I understand that. Right? But in the context of this season, it doesn't matter who's over there. Just go get them. Uh, and I do understand. I, look, And believe me, I go back to, believe me, 1975 Penn State and Pitt, for goodness sakes. I go back far back. I've worked this rivalry as a play-by-play announcer. I've worked it as a color analyst. I've worked it as a third announcer. I mean, I was a color analyst in both the 85 and 86 games. I wasn't the third guy in those games. I was a color analyst in the 85 and 86 games. So I've worked this in all phases, I mean, going that far back. I mean, believe me, I, you know, I, I understand it, I get it, but I also know how much times have changed. Now, it doesn't necessarily mean it's all changed for the better. No, but you've got to, there's got to be a realization times have changed. Penn State's in the Big Ten. They have to play nine conference games. They're now back in the national championship picture. What do you do with that, you know, that question? What do you do with that one home-and-away non-conference game that you can schedule? How do you do it? Uh, you know, and if anybody says you should play Pitt every year, you're absolutely entitled to your opinion because you're spending the money. It's your emotion. I'm, you know, and I understand that. And if you say they shouldn't, I understand that as well. I have my own opinion. I've expressed it enough. Everybody knows where I'm coming from, but I also completely respect everybody's opinion that says they should play every year. I think what we need out of the college football playoff committee is a little more consistency as to how they look at non-conference schedules and not throw curveballs like they did last year. Washington's non-conference schedule a year ago was one of the worst in the country. And they got rewarded with a spot in the college football playoff. Okay. But what message does that send? It sends a mixed message. I mean, you can't tell me one second Ohio State gets in 
because their non-conference win at Oklahoma. Very impressive and understand the logic completely. And then get Washington in, who played Rutgers. See, it's, it's, it, that's how, if you want to schedule in the future, they haven't sent a solid enough message in three years as to what that formula is. Bill Kant's with us tomorrow on the 82 National Championship team. We're your home for news, sports, weather, and your home for the Phillies. News Radio 1070 WKOK Sunbury.